Let's have a word of prayer, and we will get started really on our first, uh, our first real uh, Sunday school on our topic. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, are grateful to you that we get to talk about your word, and that we get to talk about how you have revealed yourself to us in this world. We pray for wisdom, the work of the Spirit, that this won't be just information, but it might be something that might uh, cause us to be convicted of our sin, might be able to uh, help us appreciate you more and worship you better. We ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. All right, well, today we're going to talk about something called general revelation. General revelation. Next week we'll talk about special revelation. Uh, We'll talk a little briefly about what they are and then uh, move forward on Romans chapter 1. So if you want your Bibles to be open, go ahead and open them to Romans chapter 1 or uh, turn to your phone or whatever it is that you use to read the Bible. Romans chapter 1. Preferably the uh, the New American Standard, that's what we're going to be using. We use that standard only because it's uh, one of the better translations. Anyone, uh, anyone like really serious about their translation? You're like, you really like yours? Any King James? I see that hand. New King James? <laughs> if you have to check, you may not be too into it. Uh, but uh, anyway, we'll be using the NASB. Um, so how many know what the difference between special and general revelation is? I see that hand over there. What is general revelation? The, the idea that God through creation um, has revealed himself to, to all. Okay. And then special would be then? What was that? His word. His word, that's right. In Sunday school, you know that there's three answers. The Bible, pray, and Jesus. So you know we had to use that one. All right. Uh, So the Lord has revealed himself to us. We have talked about this many times. We talked about what it means that he has condescended to us last week. Um, and he has done so through uh, covenantal communication. And uh, scripture we're going to find next week is a covenantal document. But he's also revealed himself through nature. That's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, there is a covenantal revelation in nature that we're going to talk about today. That's going to kind of separate us from the way other people have viewed this, particularly Catholics, or uh, Thomas Aquinas, or people in the Reformed world that really love Thomas Aquinas. All right, so we won't get into that fight yet. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Everyone there? Okay, let me start reading at uh, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth 
in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take these verses apart and try to understand what is the main issue of these three verses. What's the main thing being said? Um, So, it opens up in verse 18 with, The wrath of God is revealed. Okay. So, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, and who is it against? What was that? Us. Us, okay. Um, It says all, um, and you're right, all ungodliness and righteousness of men, right? And what are they doing? They're suppressing the truth. Okay, so that's your first blank there. God's wrath is revealed against those who suppress the truth. They are suppressing that truth, all right? Um, When it talks about God uh, revealing his wrath um, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, uh, we got to make sure we have to see that it's it's connected to humans. He's not just mad at the sin. Have you heard the, the phrase, God hates the sin, but loves the sinner? Have we heard this? All right. Um, That's a wonderful thing uh, to say to people so they don't get mad at you for being a Christian. But the problem is, um, sin is not an abstract idea that God is mad at. Does that make sense? God is not mad at abstract ideas. Um, So who's he mad at? Who's, what was that? The sinner. The sinner, right? Sin doesn't exist without the person. And so God isn't mad at abstract sin. He is filled with wrath against the humans. And he's mad at them because they are doing these sins. Okay? And so this ungodliness and unrighteousness is of men who are the suppressors of truth. Okay? And how are they suppressing the truth? With what? What are the men, humans, suppressing truth with? Unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. Good. So that's your next, that's your next uh, little uh, blank there. The suppression is with one's unrighteousness. So they are not suppressing it with ignorance, like they just don't know. They are not suppressing it with... Um, Good intentions. They meant well, but they just keep suppressing this truth uh, with with uh, with their good intentions. Does that make sense? They're doing it with true unrighteousness, with their sin. This suppression is unjust, right? How do we know this? Um. Because we're talking about their unrighteousness, their unjustness, if I could put it that way. 
And it is unjust because of what? What does it say in verse 19? The suppression of truth is unjust. It's, it's unrighteous because why? In verse 19. God is evident. All right. God made himself evident. That which is known about God is evident within them. So God made himself evident within them. Within them. So it's not some kind of logic game that humans have to figure out. So God made this world, and through the the great gift of logic, men are to figure out, oh, look how pretty it is outside. There must be a God. I use my logic to get there. God said he made it evident within them. Okay? And what did he make evident within them? God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, right, where is it? Uh, Verse 20, thank you. Um, His invisible attributes, okay? So his invisible attributes are made evident. And what are those invisible attributes? It says it right there. His eternal power and divine nature. That is right. So, what has he made evident? God's eternal power is clearly seen and God's divine nature is clearly seen. So it gives us this general statement. He made his invisible attributes known to us. And what were they? Specifically was his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen. And they are understood. Right? It's not a mystery. They are understood by all. Right? Uh, Through what has been made, so that everyone is without what? Excuse. Excuse. There is no excuse. It is because they do understand that they are without excuse. They do understand. Okay? So here is the criteria. All humans understand who God is, not just that there is a God, but what kind of a God he is through his divine nature and his eternal power. They know that much about him. And it's not that they don't have enough logic or reasonable skills because God put it in them. Okay? Um, However, this leaves them without excuse. Is general revelation enough to bring someone to salvation? No. So general revelation is not sufficient for salvation. This is one of the things that separate us from today's uh, more liberal Catholics. There's a guy named uh, Karl Rahner. came up with this idea that uh, God is like radio waves. And through nature, he sends out his radio waves to everyone 
and people kind of catch the radio wave. <laughs> and so what they do is, as they look at the world, they go, oh, there must be a God. And we see this everywhere. Uh, there is no such thing as an atheistic tribe somewhere in Africa. They all worship something. There's no such thing as a, as, a, um, as a group of people that were isolated from the rest of the world that believed there was no God. Everyone did. No matter what tribe or nation, everyone came up with the idea there's a God. Uh, but, this Carl Rahner says, as long as they believe that there's some kind of God, that's their way of saying there is God, and so they are what they call, what he calls, anonymous Christians. They just don't know it. Right? They're worshiping God, they just don't know what kind of God it is going on in the Bible, but God has saved them, they're Christians. That is not what Scripture teaches, it's not... Uh, and Carl Rahner doesn't care about what Scripture teaches anyway. Um, so, um, but there is something we do need to understand about general revelation. The way God revealed himself in nature is just as infallible as Scripture is. He revealed himself perfectly in nature. In an infallible way. Without error. Incapable of error, because if God is revealing himself, even in nature, he's doing it in a perfect way. So what is the problem? Why is it uh, that men aren't immediately turning to God when they see what's going on out in nature? What does our text say? Yes, they're suppressing that truth. This is what they do. Now, remembering that God revealed himself not just, not in a, he didn't condescend to us through logic, he condescended us through what? Does anyone remember? What was that? Okay, yes. Covenant. Covenant, yes. And that's why his son, when he revealed himself through his son, (laughs) His son did so through covenant. He was, he was the new covenant. So if God is revealing himself in a covenantal way, what does that mean about covenant breakers? When they see nature, what do they think about it? What was that? They pervert it, right? Because they're suppressing the truth of it. So I'm going to give you a quick lesson in knowledge. This is, uh, this is free. This doesn't have a lot to do with spiritual things, but it gives you a quick, a quick primer on how we come to know something. So I can say I know something if all three criteria are met. Okay? So I, uh, a thing... Uh, I know something if the thing I know is true. Okay, I can't say I know something that isn't true. I can't say I know that there are dragons in the world today. Uh, That's not real knowledge. You can believe it, 
but it's not, uh, it's not true. So you can't say, I know it. Does that make sense? Um, however, for me to know something, it can't just be true, I also have to believe it. I can't say I know something if I don't believe it myself. I can say other people believe it. Other people might know it, but I don't know it because I don't believe it. So I have to, it has to be true. I have to be with, uh, one of the people that believe it, but there has to be a third thing too. I can say I know something if uh, it is justified. All right. So it has to be true. I have to believe it, and I have to justify it the right way. So it can't be just true and believed. I have to justify it in the way it's supposed to be uh, justified. So in other words, in other words, I have to account for it. So uh, I always use my Tom Cruise uh, analogy for this. Tom Cruise and I both are very suspicious of psychology. The way psychology has worked itself out today um, has turned into a strange medication world where they just fill people with, with some kind of pill and uh, they kind of forget their problems. Now, Tom Cruise and I both believe that there's got to be more to it than this. And so, uh, is it true that we should be suspicious of psychology? Yes. Does Tom Cruise and I both believe you should be suspicious of psychology? Yes. But we uh, justify our beliefs very differently. Right? Tom Cruise believes that uh, there is another planet out there that is run by some tyrant that froze the aliens and then dropped them in, in, uh, in volcanoes here in, on our planet. And their essence of these negative aliens... You guys look at me like I'm just making this up. I'm telling you, this is Scientology. <laughs> this is what's in the yellow envelope if you make it all the way to the top. Uh, the essence of these aliens, once they were disintegrated in the, in the volcanoes got to us. And this is why we have this negative energy that we have to get rid of. We have to become all clear so that you have to hold on to these little things that will tell you how much negative energy you have and how to get rid of it. And that's what Scientology does. It helps you get clear of these negative things. I know that sounded insane. Uh, but that, that's kind of where Scientology is. So he's uh, saying we should be careful of, of psychology because uh, what's really happening is the essence of these aliens are getting into us and we need to be clear of it. I'm saying we need to be careful of psychology because they don't believe the same thing we do about God and how humans work, Right? They have to work on terms of chemicals in the human. And we work in terms of what is happening in your soul that might make your body react to what's going on in you. Does that make sense? They can only deal with a, a reacting body. They can't deal with the soul. So our justifications are very different. Super different. Does that make sense? So how you account for your belief is very important. So, we go to verse 21. All right, so all this uh, 
People look out in the world. They do know there is a God. They know a lot about that God, his eternal power and his divine nature, and they are left without excuse. So why doesn't everyone have true knowledge of God? Verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts, or their foolish heart was darkened. So how... Uh, after they look out into the world and they see, yes, there must be a God and there's a lot we can know about God, but what does a covenant breaker do? They suppress that truth, right? And they try to justify what they are seeing in any other way except giving God honor and thanks. And what does scripture say happens when you justify the world through anything other than honor and thanks to God? Your speculations become futile and your heart is darkened. So in your blank there, suppression of the truth leads to no honor, no thanks. No honor and no thanks. That is essential in being able to say, I know something. So there, what we're going to find is that there's this big difference in thinking between an unsaved person and a saved person, or an unbeliever and a believer. There's this huge difference, this huge gap. Why? Um, let me put it this way. Doesn't it make sense that if an unbeliever is looking at a red rose and they say this rose is red, seems like they're saying the same thing we're saying, right? I mean, doesn't it? An unbeliever says, the rose is red. And you're saying, yep, that rose is red. Aren't we saying the same thing? What do you think? <coughs> Are you saying the same thing? Okay, let me ask you this. Let's go down our little, our little line here. Is it true that the rose is red? Yes. Yes. Are they believing the rose is red? Yes. Yes. How are they going to justify that that rose is red? How do, they, how do they say the rose is red? Because I see it. Okay, because they see it. Who are they giving thanks to? Science books. The science books. understand <laughs> yeah. how red comes out in a flower. Right. Right. The science books have taught them how this works. <laughs> and they are just amazed by it in their own amazement. They give thanks to man. They honor man. They are justifying the redness of that rose through thanks and honor to man. Do you see the difference? We are living in the same world, believers and unbelievers, but what we're living in the same world with 
are covenant breakers who have to suppress, that see the truth and believe in truthful things, but they are justifying it in sin. They are suppressing it in sin. They are not doing God this big favor by noticing God's creation because they're not giving thanks to him and their speculations become futile. This is why there are certain ways in which we talk to unbelievers which will not help them even if we think it will. For instance, trying to convince an unbeliever that they can that there's a God by trying to show them, look at this beautiful world, how can you not believe there's a God? There's a million ways they can believe there's not a God. And finding trinkets in the desert that says, look, the Bible said that trinket would be there and we found the trinket. Can't you believe now? And we're just amazed that all these wonderful arguments based on science or based on some kind of thing we find in the desert isn't working. Why doesn't it work? Because that's not how the Lord said it would work. How does God work in the hearts of men? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. What was that? Okay, yeah, the preaching of the gospel through his word. And when the word is spoken, the spirit works. It is not when the really excellent uh, argument is spoken, the spirit works. When we have all our answers in Genesis magazines, the spirit works. He's a fine man. I'm just saying. The spirit works through the word. The one thing we're most ashamed of, right? We get this, this, this high when we see that there's some scientific thing that helped us a little bit. Right? We get this, this kind of high when, when someone says, Hey, it turns out that Jericho really is where the Bible says it was. Scholars for years thought it wasn't there. And now it is. The Bible's right. Yay! <laughs> because of some guy that found a rock somewhere. Really? It is as if we are excited about these sticks that we try to hit our enemy with and this nuclear weapon behind us. We're like, oh, well, that's I'm kind of ashamed of that. But look at this cool stick. I'm going to go hit Satan with it. So when unbelievers see the world, they see the truth. Sometimes they believe it. But they do not give God honor or thanks. They cannot justify their beliefs. They cannot justify their beliefs. This is the part that cuts us off from our unbelieving friends and family because they, as an unbeliever, cannot give God thanks and honor. Because they are covenantally cut off. So their problem is not that they don't understand. Right? The fact that they do understand is why they are without excuse. Right? So the problem isn't that they don't get it. The problem is that they are covenantally cut off. They have broken covenant with our God. So a really good logical um, argument and really cool science stuff 
And really good archaeology is not going to fix a broken covenant. What can fix a broken covenant? The power of the Holy Spirit through the hearing of the word. So this is our, this is what I'm going to challenge us with. Uh, sometimes we really like apologetics books, and they are wonderful things to read, and it's a fun little thing to do on the side. But when you really think about what's going to help your unsaved family or friends, what is the thing that's really going to help them? Okay, so where are they going to hear that? Okay, that's possible. And you'll, you'll do the best you can. But where's a really good place that they will hear God's word? In church. In church, that's right. Uh, to hear God's word spoken by God's man, right? I mean, it is great for us to share with our friends and our family God's word and the Holy Spirit works through it. But in a way that is unlike us is when we bring them to church and God's man speaks his word to us. Right? And there is real, as Reformed people, we really believe something unique is happening when our pastor preaches to us. It is not like just a lay person that talks about Scripture and reads Scripture and things like that. That is important. And that is good. And the Holy Spirit works through it. But there is something unique that is going on when your pastor preaches the word. So then the question comes to us. When we talk about ignorance, the ignorance comes by way of this justification, right? It's not an ignorance of not understanding. It's an ignorance of rejection. It's an ignorance of putting to the side. When you start talking about, um, let me put it this way, uh, Dr. Dr. Forney, some of you men know who Dr. Forney is because he was the guy that spoke to us uh, via satellite or on the internet uh, to us men. He told me about this, he's a, he's a doctor and a, and a PhD all at the same time, isn't he? Something like that. Was that? Toxicologist, yes. And uh, so he knows a lot about the human body, and he was telling me about this, what's called the sympathetic nervous system. Did you know that when you're laying down in the, and, and you're, you're asleep, you wake up in the morning, your body has been uh, maintaining itself for someone who is not moving very much. So your heart slows down, your respiration slow down, everything is slowing down because you're not doing a lot, right? But to stand up, requires a lot of blood pumping because now you have 110 to 200 pounds that's now going to stand and all the muscles have to be involved in getting that standing position and so your heart has to start really pumping fast. Did you know just thinking about standing up, your body tells your heart to start pumping like crazy before you even got up? 
And your heart starts pumping like crazy, so when you stand up, you don't faint immediately, right? Uh, sometimes your sympathetic nervous system doesn't uh, kick in because your mental faculties haven't kicked in. And have you ever stood up and you're like, whoa? Have you had that? Yeah. That's your... I, you just spoke something that does not make sense. But, but you know what I'm talking about. The words that he is using. Um, and that's an amazing thing. And you can, you can tell someone, how on earth could that just evolve out of some kind of proteins that were on the back of a meteor that hit our earth and fortunately hit water so that the proteins could mix with whatever was in the water. How the water get there, who cares? Uh, and then you're you know, eventually walking out with a tail. I mean, how do you get from that to sympathetic nervous system? It's incredible. And you, you would think they would, you know, these, this wonderful scientific thing, they're like, no, no, it could happen. You just need more time. More time! Maybe it was a few million years more than what we thought it was. I mean, when, once you get to millions of years, you can just kind of, whatever. Uh, so my point is, this ignorance is a particular kind of ignorance. It's not an ignorance of not understanding. It's an ignorance of turning away from the one who deserves the honor and thanks. So the question that we have on the bottom there is, are we as ignorant as unbelievers where we are not giving thanks and honor to our God? What do I mean by that? Uh, what are you embarrassed about when it comes to the Lord? Yeah. Not Yeah, that's right. And this honor and thanks comes down to a lot of things. <laughs> Not just looking out at the, at the world around us and saying, oh, isn't it pretty, I should give honor and thanks to God. But your family, uh, your husband or wife, your children, your pastor, uh, each other, where you are excited and uh, happy to see each other because you're filled with Thanks and honor to the Lord for the brothers and sisters that you get to see on Sundays. Um, or do we act like ignorant unbelievers who see the truth, you are blessed. Might even acknowledge it. You might believe that you're blessed. That there's some good things happening in your life. And we just forget to give God thanks and honor for it. We wonder why we run into our own thinking into these loops uh, that are talked about here, this futile speculations, and our hearts darken. And we begin to lose, um, we begin to suffer in the sin of unbelief. And the sin of unbelief comes in all kinds of, of ways, Right? comes in the way of being upset at God for what he has uh, brought about in our lives. It comes in the way of doubting all of this that we do and what we think as Christians. 
and not loving each other. So, let uh, general revelation be a lesson to us at what it can do and what it's not meant to do. And next week, we're going to talk about God's word, specifically, special revelation, how he has spoken to us, and uh, what that should mean to us. All right, well, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, are grateful to you for your wisdom and power in revealing yourself to us uh, throughout all creation, and how that should leave us in thanks and honor to you. Lord, we pray for uh, that kind of an attitude as we go to you and worship, and we uh, think on the things of you, that we will be uh, blessed through the Spirit's work in our heart, that your word will pierce us and cleanse us, and that you're, through your Spirit we might be able to have a renewed, stronger relationship with you by faith. And even through the strength of the fellowship of the brethren here, Lord, we pray for that in your son's name. Amen. Amen.